Hello, listeners. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. I guess it all depends on when you are listening to this podcast. Uh, welcome to another episode of TribePod. Today, I have a very interesting guest to share with you. His name is Brendan Kumarasamy. Now, Brendan is the founder of Master Talk, and he coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs how to become the top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I actually took notes, <laughs> and I think you will too. Brendan Kumarasamy is up next on TribePod. You are listening to TriPod, a podcast series of interviews of interest to the HR community. It is hosted by Jim Stroud, sponsored by Proactive Talent, and enjoyed by you. Today's episode begins right after this. Let's face it, we're in a whole new world now. We know that the reactive old way of, of hiring uh, and the post and pray model is expensive and it's getting more expensive every year. What employer brand does is it is a long-term strategy that will help you get better at hiring faster and at a higher quality. 75% of candidates will research a company before even applying and 86% of candidates will not work for a company that has a bad or non-existent employer brand. Some of the many benefits of having an effective and strong employer brand include doubling the amount of applicants you get per job post, decreasing your cost per hire by 40%, improving employee retention by 60%, and overall just yield better Glassdoor reviews. We know that Companies with stronger employer brands spend about 10% less overall for talent. Proactive Talent helps out clients with their employer brand uh, by going in and working with them in several phases to learn more about the, the culture, the people, what are the important values to each and every employee, and then to share that story and refresh the employer brand or build it from the ground up. The benefits of having an effective employer brand is that you're going to be able to attract the talent that you really want to join your company and not just people who would be simply applying for whatever requisitions you have out there. They generally love your message, love your culture, and are there to be with you for the long haul. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Hello and welcome to TriPod. Today we have a very special guest. Special guest, tell us who are you and what do you do? Absolutely, Jim. Fantastic to be on the show. So yeah, my name is Brendan Kumarasamy. I'm the founder of Master Talk. It's a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And I'm also a public speaking coach for executives in the corporate space and entrepreneurs as well so that they can become top 1% communicators in their industries. So yeah, fantastic to be on the show. Thank you. Wow, that was that was so nice how you said that. <laughs> like how you I said better that. say it nice. Jeez, if I can't, then... <laughs> Who in the world is going to hire me for coaching if I can't communicate better than the people uh, I'm helping? Definitely, definitely. So what would you say are some of the greatest challenges when it comes to great communication? Yeah, so there's definitely a lot, but I'll simmer it down to three main ones, Jim. So okay. the first one is motivation. The second one is direction. And the third one is technique. So motivation is the simple one, is if we're not motivated to do something, we're not going to do it. And the problem with communication is a lot of us don't have a sense of urgency when it comes to practicing in the first place. 
So the first question I have for your audience to think about is how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? A lot of us don't really think about this question. And if we really focus on in the context of our roles as executives, our roles as entrepreneurs, or maybe our roles as fathers and mothers, when we really start to think about that, we can really start to reflect on how would life change if we were much better at communication. And that gives us a sense of motivation. That's number one. Second one is direction. A lot of us have goals with most areas of our life, health, finances, career. Very few of us think about our communication goals. How would life be different if we had communication goals? And when we start to prioritize specific tangible communication goals, we start to get the results that we're looking for. So most people listening to the show probably don't have communication goals, or if they do, they're generally very vague, like speak clearly, won't get us very far. So instead, what I would encourage people to think about is what's something specific that you really want? Is it a pay raise? Is it a specific role you want in a company that really you need to be communication? I'll give you an example. If you want to be C-level executive, as you probably know this, Jim, mm. yeah, you got to know how to communicate as far as your team. So have that clear direction. Last piece is technique. I encourage you to have strategies, exercises to work on your technique on a consistent basis. One example I can give is the random word exercise. Pretty simple. Pick a random word like bus, doorknob, computer, and create presentations out of thin air. And this helps build momentum with your technique. Interesting. Interesting. I have never heard of that before, setting a, a, a speaking goal. Uh, when you said that, I thought, what could that be? Could that be to one day, uh, I don't know, be a news commentator? I mean, when I think of, of great speakers, I'm thinking of news commentators. I think of the politicians. I'm thinking of smooth operators in a club who just can walk up to, <laughs> to, to women and pick them up. <laughs> um that's interesting, though. That's, that's it. That could be something to think about, really. Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can give more context as well. Please, so, yes, please. You're, you're absolutely right. Communication goals are not easy to set because they're not as measurable as any other goal. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Let's say the goal is to grow our business by 10%. Let's say the business is doing half a million. You want to grow it to 550 as an example. So when we take that as an example, it's very tangible. We know by the end of the year if we made it to 550 or not. We just look at the bank account. We look at the numbers. It's obvious. Mm. But in communication, that goalpost is not as clearly defined. So the way that I've done this with clients is pick a communication goal where you're comparing yourself to other speakers. That's the easiest way to do it. So essentially what you do is you pick three speakers that you want to be, that you admire. Let's say Barack Obama, a CHRO of a company. Let's say we take Claude Silver, the CHRO of VaynerMedia, right? And Lindsay Lohan, I don't know, may look Simon Sinek <laughs> or something. So just three people you admire. And then what you do is you pick up, you, then you create two different boxes. One box mm-hmm. is one strength of that speaker that you really admire. And the second box is one weakness. What's one point of improvement that you would give that person? And what this does is it helps you really think in a way where your mind has never thought before. I never really thought about strengths and weaknesses for people, speakers that I admire. I usually just watch them speak and just clap and yeah. move on. Mm-hmm. And that, that helps us gain a little bit more depthness and understanding about how we set specific goals for success. So in, in doing this, let's say, uh, let's go with the Barack Obama example. If I wanted to speak as well as, as he does. Should I start changing my mannerisms and and my hand gestures and the way I and the words that I choose to mimic him so that in mimicking him I become a better speaker like him or should I look for my own particular style? So there's a couple of things there. Let me break that down because it's a fantastic question. So what I would do is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, Jim. 
Sure. One of those balls is smiling, another one is pausing, another one is vocal tone variety. And if we try and pick up all the balls at the same time, naturally, all of the balls will fall down. We won't be able to hold it. So Barack Obama is the same thing. Don't look at everything. I would focus on one specific quality that you want the most from Barack. And for all of us, that quality will be different. One person might say voice projection. Another person might say structure of speech. So figure out what that quality is for yourself and only pay attention to that one thing you want from Barack. The best way to learn communication at the highest level is you take the one quality you like from 100 different speakers and you apply all of those 100 things to yourself so you become your own speaker. So that's the way that, that I always like to think. It's kind of like a buffet, right? Pick what you like. You sure. don't have to pick up the things you don't want. Yeah, I guess you can give that same advice to somebody who wants to be a great singer. Look at different singing styles and pick up what different singers do and uh, create your own style based on various uh, singers you look up to. Very good advice. Interesting. I was thinking of also other ways to measure it as you were talking about that. So if I'm a worker and um, I want to improve my communication style, one way I may quantify that might be the number of projects that I take on. So let's say I'm, I'm beginning to feel undervalued as a worker and I really want to be involved in more uh, projects. So in addition to working on the quality of my work, I may want to focus on speaking up more in meetings, you know, and then at the end of the year, I'll say, hey, I worked on so many projects, more projects this year than last year, in part because I learned to speak up and communicate better. Would would that be a fair uh, way of quantifying? Oh, yeah. I, I think the key is really figuring out the metric that works for you. Though though the only caveat I'd add, if, if someone feels undervalued, I, I changed the metric to job, number of job interviews that year. But, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, how do you think remote work has affected uh, communication styles on the job? Because the world of work suddenly changed, as you know, uh, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. So there's three key differences between communication in person and communication online. So let's touch on that. So the first one is eye contact. So let's say we're looking at people in a boardroom in person. We're selling a deal. We're talking to teammates. We're moving our head around to talk to each individual person, look at them in the mm -hmm. eyes. But sure. online, whether there's one or 10,000 people on a Zoom call or a Teams meeting, all you have to do is look in one area, which is the camera lens. And if you look in that one direction, it gives the illusion that you're looking at everyone at the same time. So that's a key difference between the in-person world and the online. Online, you actually want to keep your eyes in one direction as mm -hmm. much as possible. The second difference is energy. That one's pretty obvious. When it comes to energy, it's a lot easier to be energetic when it's in person. I mean, sure. I have sweatpants on right now. It's just no one can see it. <laughs> right? So so if there's an interview at 10 a.m., you could wake up at 9.30. It doesn't matter. But in person, you can't do that. There's a lot right. more pressure for you to succeed. There's a lot more, oh, I got to show more energy. So the trick actually is to present the same presentation offline and then online. It's actually very difficult to replicate the same level of energy. And the only reason I'm able to do it on this podcast is because I've already done it in person. And I know what energy I need to bring back, even if we're not in the same room right now. So that would be my second piece, energy. Mm. Third piece is accessibility. So when you're in person, it's really easy to get feedback from your audience because there's a lot less friction. Let's say you give a Tim meeting, you just get lunch with them after, get their thoughts, get their comments, ask them questions. Not as easy to do in the online world because there's a lot of friction. So the only way to uh, get that sorted is to force the relationship. 
You should get on calls with two or three of them proactively before your meeting. You should have a call with one or two of them after the meeting's done so you can get your feedback from them and make your presentations better. So those are the three key main differences between remote and in-person. Interesting. As you say that, it makes me wonder too about relationships, which is the cornerstone of, of any business. You know, people want to do business with people. It makes me wonder, how do you build relationships with employees while you're working remote? Very or good question. Yeah, or, yeah, or co-workers, not as said employees, but just everybody. So, so hmm. let's elaborate on then the context of your question, which I think is great. First strategy, super simple. Send video messages to people on your team. When was the last time, this is more of a rhetorical question, when was the last time people are listening to this podcast, let's say your corporate employee, that you hmm. received a video message from one of your managers, your supervisors, to just say, hey, Jim, Hope you're on a wonderful day. Why don't you just appreciate the work that you're doing, whatever that thing is, and wishing you happy holidays or something. And most people I talk to have never had that happen once in their careers. Right? Right, right. I'm trying so to think if I, it happened in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and you've, so. you've been in the business for a while, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it so, has. Go exactly. Ahead. So, so that's one easy way to differentiate yourself. I actually force some CEOs I work with, just as an example, to show people how extreme I am. He's managing 40 people right now. So what I had him do, I had him block out an hour of his life, literally one hour of his precious time, open your dang phone and send a 30-second video to each of your employees, all 40 of them. And he did that. And it didn't matter what the quality was, how it came off. You just do it. And most of them are crying. They're like, oh my God, like this means so much to me. So that's an easy 80-20 strategy to create rapport. The other thing that you can do is, and this is more just for your direct reports or else it's too much of a burden. Let's say you're managing a team of five to 10 people directly. Let's say you're VP managing like managers or something. What I would do is I would make a list of those five people and write down their top three goals for each of them for the year. So that when you go into feedback meetings or you're having discussions with them, you're always talking to them in the context of their goals. This is something I haven't seen a single manager or vice president do at the executive level. If you just think about that, it'll mean so much to your direct reports, especially with the competition war on talent right now. It's an easy way for you to differentiate yourself. That's strategy number two. And then strategy number three is write down something that you really appreciate about them, something you that you really love about them. It could be hobbies, passions, and keep a tally in the back end for your 510 reports and send them a gift to their house. That could be under 50 bucks. Super easy. You don't have to buy them a Lamborghini. Just show them you care. For example, let's say we're talking. Let's say you're managing me and you find out I like Skittles. You send me $10 <laughs> worth of Skittles. It's nothing. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to the person and they'll they'll always be loyal to you. I like that. I like these examples. Uh, and I'm taking, I think a lot of them to heart, taking notes actually as, as we speak. Uh, but so far, a lot of these examples are sort of one-on-one, me talking to someone else. How can I learn to communicate better in teams? Because that's a different dynamic when you're talking to a bunch of people at once. Yeah, I would say a bunch of people at once. It would depend on the context of the meeting, but I'll give you mm. kind of easy, easy stuff that apply in any situation. Okay. I would say the most important thing, let's say it's a presentation to your team at work or your CEO talking to your group. Pick the highest impact presentation of your quarter. What is the most important one? Generally, it's a status update meeting for how the company is growing, status report, maybe it's a big sales. Pick that one presentation, but the next time you go into it, practice it very differently. If we were working on a puzzle, which pieces would we start with first? And the answer is the edges. 
Yep, the corners. Yep. Right. Oh, so you seem to be a puzzle expert. Why would you start <laughs> with the corners? Uh, I start with the corners because they those are able to, those are easier to fit than the ones in the middle. I can tend, I tend to be able to find those faster. Exactly. Perfect. You actually got it right, Jim. You're absolutely right. Easy to find in the box, easy to put together. Kind of like an outline, and then mm-hmm. work our way into the middle. But we do do that in communication. Communication, we shove a bunch of content in our presentations. We start the middle first. We ramble throughout the whole thing. The last slide sounds something like this. Uh, 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 thanks. <laughs> Not the, I, I can see it's resonating with you. So, yeah. Not the right approach, right? So so instead, what I encourage people to think about, Jim, is practice presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Do your introduction 50 times. Not two times, not three times, not five. Do it 50 times. Just the intro. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. You're saying 50 is a big number, Brendan. I'm a big-time executive. I have time for 50. So, So let me convince you otherwise. Your introduction's one minute. Wow. Right. Okay. It'll take you yep. it'll take you 45 minutes. And by the way, this is what I always like to say. If you apply just 10% of anything I say on a podcast, you'll get 100% of the result. Okay, cuz I'm always coaching with the frame of how to be the best in your industry. Mm. So if you mm. want to be middle pack, mm. then yeah, if you do 10% of what I say, you'll get the result. So so going back to this, when we think about puzzle pieces, practice the introduction 20 times. Okay, let's compromise. Most people haven't done that yet. Do they say that the conclusion? What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. So same thing. Do the conclusion 20 times. In only an hour of practice, you'll already have built more momentum than presenting the same presentation over and over again. Because your introduction, your conclusion will be so refined that you'll have that momentum to say, now let me tackle the middle with some confidence. And that's the way you want to approach practicing. So when I restate the intro uh, 50 times, am I saying it exactly the same way? Am I saying the same thing differently? Oh, good good question. I, the What I always respond to that, I always say we never don't – we don't get rewarded based on how well we do something. Mm-hmm. In my books, we get rewarded on how many times we do it. So for me, I don't really worry too much about does it sound different? Do you want to change the languaging? I see it more as reps. So you don't necessarily have to make it the same. You can adjust it as you go, but really just focus on presenting your introduction, whether it looks completely different on the 50th time or it looks the same. Interesting, interesting, interesting. What um, what role do facial expressions, gestures, and, and pauses play in communication? Absolutely. So there's definitely a lot of implications, but I'll keep it simple for today. Think, think of uh, communication like a mirror. So I'll throw out an analogy here for us to understand this better. What's the first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning? Uh, Yawn. (laughs) That's cool. You're (laughs) you're like, that's the next level. (laughs) And then after we yawn, we probably go to the bathroom, right? (laughs) So I should should probably change this, confuse other people in the future. What's the second thing that we do? We go to the second thing. So we we generally go to the bathroom and, you know, Mm. brush our teeth, look look at the mirror. But fair enough, touche, touche. Mm-hmm. So there's two types of people who will show up that day, Jim. Person number one will sound something like this. Wow, today's day is amazing. I got to talk to Brendan today about communication. And then I have some meetings with my amazing team members that have dinner with my family. Life is amazing. So that energy is how we show up that day. But the opposite is also true. This day sucks. 
I talked to this Brendan guy. Jeez, this guy's always yelling at me. What's wrong with him? Then after I have dinner with my family, obviously I know you don't think that, but the key is, <laughs> is the way that we show up matters. But here's the punchline, mm. Jim, is that the mirror we look at in the morning isn't just an object. It is the very thing that we are. Because as mirrors, or rather as speakers, we are mirrors. We reflect our own emotions onto the people that we speak to. So the question for your audience is this, which emotions will you choose? Will you choose boredom like most speakers? Or will you choose excitement, reassurance, and above all, passion? And I'll leave that choice up to everyone on the call. Cool, cool. I like that. What are some exercises I can do to practice uh, public speaking or communicating? I guess st uh, standing in front of a mirror and practicing is one uh, I, such an exercise I imagine I could do. There's something else I could do? Yeah, I'll give three easy ones. So the first one is okay. the random word exercise that we talked about earlier. So pick mm. a random word and do it every single day, like three to five times. A lot of people downplay this exercise, especially execs, they think it's childish. So let me paint the burning bridge. Okay. Their burning bridge is this. If you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So a lot <laughs> of executives, they go into meetings, Jim, and they're like, yeah, I'm worried about this. I'm talking about just C-level clients. So when I have them talk about avocados and churros and McDonald's, they start to panic. But once they start getting the, used to the random word exercise, they could talk about anything in the boardroom because they've been working at the same company, the same industry for like five, 10, 15 years. So no mm. one's going to ask them to make a presentation on their favorite color. They're looking for the same stuff that they asked them last week, just for a different client or a different account. So it's the same thing. Practice the random word exercise three to five times. And I always like to say this, Jim, there's only probably less than 1% who will ever do it a hundred times in their life. Hmm. But here's the thing, Jim. It only takes two hours to do the exercise a hundred times. So are you willing to give me a two hours out of your life? Not out of your day, not out of your week, not out of your month, but out of your life to be in the top 1% of your industry. And that's really a decision that people have to think about. That's the first exercise. Second exercise, the question drills. Question drills, super simple. Have we ever been in a situation where an executive is asking us a question on a steering committee or in corporate, and we don't know the answer to the question? So the way that we approach it, the way that I like to approach it, is every day you wake up when you have a high stakes meeting, ask yourself this question. What is a question that they'll ask me for sure in this meeting? and start thinking about it for five minutes a day. And if you do that for 30 days, let's say the presentation's in 30, you have 30 questions that you've already thought of in advance, so you come into that meeting very well prepared. That's the second exercise I recommend. It only takes five minutes a day. Third exercise I recommend is more of a reflection exercise, and the reflection exercise is going back to the question we talked about earlier, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Don't just write the question down, really reflect on it because it matters a lot more than you might think. Because if you don't reflect on how your life would be different, you won't do any of the tactics we suggested in today's episode. You won't do the random word exercise. You won't do the question drills. You won't do the puzzle. You won't send the video messages. It'll take like 30 seconds. Like it's simple, just not easy. It's not rocket science. But the reason people don't do it is because they don't have that motivation. So reflect on that for yourself. Speaking well in public has has clear advantages, uh, no matter where you are on the corporate totem pole, whether you're in the C-suite or your worker. Uh, I, I definitely see the, the advantages of it, but I know that there are some who are listening will say, ah, 
it's just not for me because maybe I stammer or maybe I stutter or maybe I just get too nervous or I'm confident as long as I'm sitting down. But as soon as you stand me up in front of a room full of people, <laughs> I start going. So if you could give just one piece of advice to someone like that who's already self-sabotaging themselves by saying how badly they are as a speaker, uh, what, what would you tell them? What advice could you give them? Since this is an executive group, I'm usually a lot more softer with people, but this is like VPs, SVPs, a lot of these people are directors and managers. I'll paint a different story, Jim. I'll say, how okay. big are your dreams? How big do you want to play? Like, I'm, all of you who are listening to this podcast, you've already had a lot of success in, in your life, right? Your managers, your directors, your VPs. The question is, how far do you want to go? And if, if the response is, I don't really want to go that far, then I have no feedback to give you. But if the goal is to become a CHRO one day, right, chief human resource officer, if the goal is to be a chief people officer, if the goal is to be a chief culture officer, we need to understand that being a great communicator is not optional. It's mandatory. And the reason it's mandatory is because most of your time as a C-level executive is spent on strategy, people management, and brand. Strategy, people management, and brand. Why do I say that? People, because you're always constantly trying to recruit top talent. And the, re the way that you do this at scale is by doing podcasts like this. It's by going to panel on conferences, going to sponsored events that your company does for you. Let's say you work at IBM and you're a change management consultant. You're going there and you're speaking about the company, you're speaking about the vision, especially if you're C-level. So you're attracting people. The other reason why it's important is for brand, right? Eminence, executive eminence is the cornerstone that differentiates a VP from an SVP from a C-level executive. What are you known for in the business? What are you known for in the industry? Like, let's say we use HR, the, which is the context of today. Let's say we take Burson Deloitte, right? Burson's very well known in his industry because of his brand. Same thing with Laszlo Bach, right? The previous SVP of people ops at Google. He's really well known because of the books that he writes, the eminence that he creates, the way that he speaks on a podcast. And that's what you need to play if you want to be in the top level of this game. And the third piece is relationship building. Most of your time as a C-level, not only are you communicating the vision, you're recruiting, you're attracting talent towards, you're going to your network, you're saying, who are the talented people here that I need to bring back into my companies? That's a huge requirement at that level because you need to play an active role in recruiting the best people because people run everything else, especially on the HR side, obviously. So that's the key, Jim. I, I wouldn't force anyone to do anything. I think I would just ask a question, how big are the, are, are the dreams? That's all. Very good answers, very good answers. You've done this before, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure our listeners have as, have as well, if they wanted to contact you and learn more about uh, what you offer, how can they find you online? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. What a wonderful conversation. Excellent questions as well. I, I would say two easy ways. So the first one is my YouTube channel. Go to Master Talk in One Word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second one, for those who are interested in coaching, you can come to one of my free trainings. So I host a live, free, interactive Zoom call every few weeks, and you can register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com. Brendan, thanks again for being a guest on TribePod. You are appreciated. Likewise, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you a thousand times. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions 
please send them to us. You can reach us at tripod, that's T-R-I-B-E-P-O-D, at proactivetalent.com. We look forward to hearing from you.